What the hell? Boy, those are words we don't often say. But for the next three weeks, we're going to ask ourselves, what the hell? Which hell? What do we believe about hell? What does the Bible say about hell? Join me for these three weeks with Pastor Tasha and the One Prez Pod. Hello there, everyone. Today, it's Pastor Tasha, and we are going to do a three-part segment on, I can't believe it, but hell. We're going to give you hell uh, in three brief podcasts. It'll be, this week will be hell in the Old Testament. Next week will be hell as we find it described in the New Testament. And then the last week will be hell uh, as reformed Christians uh, think about it and believe about it now. So three weeks on hell. Now I have to tell you this was a church member requested and so we're going to be doing this class live on Sundays as well but this is your podcast version and for the podcast version I have a partner in crime with me today. Who is my partner in crime today? Introduce yourself. Jan Stick. It is Jan and she's very brave. Are you feeling brave today, Jan, as we discuss hell? Pretty brave. Pretty brave. I'm ready to go take a go at it. Oh, ready to take a go at hell. Well, we're going to just kind of cover a couple of the kind of touchstones of hell. I don't want to say highlights of hell, uh, but when we look at the Old Testament, it really is a very different view of hell than I think most Christians have. Um, but what we find in the Old Testament is this place that they call Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, Sheol, and um, it's the place of sleeping, it's a place of rest, it's a place um, where everybody goes. So that's kind of one of the big distinctions, is if you die, you go to Sheol. Uh, I'll, re- I'll just share a little bit. This is Psalm 88. It says, uh, the, guys, the guy, the psalmist says, I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like those who have no help. My life draws near to Sheol. So though I'm among the dead, I'm those that lie in the grave, and I'm like those that you, God, remember no more. The place of Sheol. So it's a, it's a grave, and it's believed that everybody's sleeping, um, and everybody's in the same place. It's like no land. Yes, it's like rest in peace. Rest in peace. This is what's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing but rest. And there's not a... There's not a judgment about it um, that you that your life has gone down to the pit, right? It's not the pits, it's death. That is the ancient Jewish belief about what happens when we die. Yeah, there is no judgment there. You, everyone goes there, everyone's equal. Yes, everyone goes there, everybody's equal. In fact, there's this, uh, let's see, in Isaiah, there's this uh, passage that says... Um, it's like welcoming the kings and queens into Sheol. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek probably, but it's like, oh, uh, the Sheol rouses its shades to greet you, you leaders of the earth, um, all you who were kings of the nations. You too have become as weak as we have. You've become like us. Oh, bring your pomp on down with you. So it's a little bit of, uh, you know, old home week. Everybody's there and everybody's asleep. It's an equalizer. Mm-hmm. Everyone is the same. You're no better than all the rest of us that have been here before. And this might be a little bit of a surprise, um, especially for Christians, uh, because this is not the sort of quote-unquote Christian belief really at all, but it is the belief that 
that Jesus would have known about um, raised as a Jewish man is this idea of Sheol and sleep and like you said, the great equalizer. Yeah, so throughout the Old Testament, Sheol's mentioned like 66 times or something. It's a very common concept for them. But there are a couple of outliers, even in the Old Testament, that kind of make you go, huh, this isn't systematic necessarily. Like it's not gonna follow like a math problem, right? We human beings are more complicated than that. And one of the most uh, kind of interesting cases maybe comes to us in the, the book of 1 Samuel, uh, where Saul's king and he's in real trouble. All these armies are advancing. He doesn't know what to do. And he prays and wants the Lord to answer him with what he should do. And there's no answer from the Lord. And so he goes to a medium, like a psychic. Mm -hmm. He calls a psychic hotline. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he says, you know, I want you to call forth Samuel the great prophet Samuel, who had helped him in the past and who was now dead. And it's, a, it's an interesting story. If you want to read it, it's in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. But basically what we find is um, she brings up Samuel for him in a, in a way that she at least can see him. We don't really think Saul can see him, but this medium, this psychic can see him. And she says, oh, he's wrapped in a robe. Uh, he looks like this and this. He looks like himself. And um, he appears to know what's going on on earth. He's up on current events. Um, and so there's some similarities kind of with Sheol there. Like Samuel's there and he was a great prophet. You know, he's, he's there in Sheol sleeping. But there's kind of some differences and like some how outliers. Does he what, how does he know what's going on up here? How does he know That's what's going on in Saul's part. life? Yeah, because so much of it is this sort of no no place, no land, nothingness is how it's described. And yet we have kind of this little thing of, of Samuel's like, yeah, I see you got some problems. <laughs> <laughs> see, things aren't going so well for you right now. Things aren't going well for you, Saul. And spoiler alert, they're going to get worse. But... Um, so, so we do have an outlier. We don't want to pretend we don't. Uh, there are a couple outliers in it, but for the most part, that is the Jewish belief, uh, the ancient Jewish belief of hell and heaven. Yeah, there isn't, doesn't seem to be any difference at all. No. It's just, that's it, like a black hole. It's just a place of sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting and really starts to lead to... Um, what, you, what Jesus would have grown up with is right around 200 years before he was born onto the earth, um, the Jewish thought kind of started to shift. And there started to be segments of Judaism that did believe, wait, there, I think there is life beyond this life. And then once you believe there is life beyond this life, then it's a real question of like, Will there be any consequences there mm -hmm. <laughs> to your behavior? And one of the things, um, one of the things they talk about is we don't know if this is why this belief started to sort of shift slightly, but this is a time period where a lot of Jews are being tortured for their faith. They are being asked of the worst things uh, in the name of their faith, and so out of some of that do you really start to rethink what's happening here? Do you start to 
have different, you know, understandings of maybe what is at work here. Is God going to provide a reward for me? Yeah, I'm dying for, being, for my faith here. For being, for being faithful. Yeah. And doing what is right. And I read a horrible passage for you guys in Sunday school. Yeah. Really because bad. we don't have any of these scriptures. Protestants don't have any of these scriptures. The By the time that view is shifting, all of the Old Testament has been written down for us and the New Testament hasn't started yet. It's called the intertestamental time. But if you have the Apocrypha, which is those intertestamental books, um, which Roman Catholics have the Apocrypha. You probably have a Bible laying around that would have an Apocrypha in it that you could look at. But there's some horrible stories um, in Maccabees about people being tortured for their faith. It was really gross, wasn't it? Was it was very gross. You have, would have to have such a strong faith, such a strong belief, to have to endure what they did. Mm-hmm. And in one of the stories I, I, I told in class, um, as like each member of this family is tortured and killed, um, one of the last things each of them says is, uh, you know, the mother says to each of her sons, you know, the Lord's going to resurrect you. The Lord's going to resurrect you. And then at one point, it's, they look at the perpetrators and say, and your eternal reward is not going to be good. <laughs> you know, so that, so we're starting to see both. We're starting to see mm -hmm. that branching. God is not going to be pleased. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be pleased with you. Yeah, so we, start, we do start to see that branching. And even in the gospel stories, we see that branch in two names we know well, but we don't really know. We, we throw them around, but we don't really know anything about them. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. And it's like, you might as well be saying Greek. Because uh, for what I know, a Sadducee is or a Pharisee, like, I think we generally know, aren't they religious leaders in some way? But, but this actually is one of those differences playing out. The Sadducees are, are religious elite who are still holding to the idea that there is no afterlife. There is no resurrection. The soul is mortal. It's not immortal, right? Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees are religious leaders who are like, no, the soul's immortal. Um, there is an afterlife, there is a resurrection. And, and if you go back and look in the Gospels, some of those sort of disagreements that are going on are actually between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and they want to loop Jesus into them um, and get his take. And, you know, what do you think, Jesus? Is the soul immortal? Is, it, uh, is this the end? Is there nothing after this? Maybe the Pharisees were more in touch with the populace. Well, yeah, and they were. It's I think I said in class, it's a little like the cardinals versus the local pastor, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit, in, as near as I understand it, in the way they um, drew themselves up, you know, structured themselves. But, but, it, but it is interesting because we're going to talk about this more next week, but this was, uh, of course, going to really influence Jesus on um, this is the religious world he was raised in and the scriptures he would have had. Um, that he's then going to use, you know, he's going to use to his own ends, um, but it still is the setting of it. So, so there's starting to be some difference. And, you know, actually, I won't say who sent me because this does go public. But anyway, one of the class members last uh, from last week, he sent me an email with a whole article on Jewish belief about the afterlife today, modern. <laughs> and it was pretty interesting. It, it, has shifted over uh, a lot more toward this Pharisee idea, at least the article he sent me, of the soul is immortal, 
there is a resurrection. Um, but that's all still being discussed, you know, uh, in our scriptures. Well, the Old Testament way of looking at it, where there is nothing, would be a true test of faith. Yeah. It really would be a true test of faith. There is no reward. Yeah, um, or there, any reward you get is now, and it may only be internal. Right. There's yeah. no... You may lead a good life and feel fulfilled that you have helped others, but afterward, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because uh, we talked about another... One of the things we talked about dovetails right with that, but I kind of want to wedge the devil in too because uh, we did talk about the devil a little bit and in the old testament he's really not there he's barely there kind of the two more well-known places where we might go yeah that's the devil that's him right there the most well-known one probably is that genesis snake mm -hmm. but he's never called the devil uh he's just a snake in the grass you know probably he's laying we in get the weeds. That. He, he's laying in those weeds and he's a tempter um, and he's just kind of trying to push both Adam and Eve, how far can you go, you know, which certainly could be given, we might say, well, those are some traits of a devil, you know, pushing it as far as it can go, uh, and then having you have to live with the consequences. And really, really testing their he faith. Was, he was testing, yeah, and, and he got it too, like, <laughs> he, he won that test, uh, but he's never called Satan there he's never called the devil um he and he's created by god like if you go mm -hmm. with the garden thing god has created everything that's in that garden in paradise and yet here's this snake you know so what do we do with that in terms of what's his role in god's good creation you know does he have a part in it is he against it completely you know that's all really left very nuanced um, in that story. And then in the other story that people most remember usually is the beginning of Job. And in that story, he is given the name Satan, Hasatan, uh, which means the deceiver or the tempter um, is what that word Satan means. And, but he's part of the heavenly court. Uh, he seems to be kind of part of God's team. Like, I hesitate to say, like, it's an interesting relationship there. Or his, his plan. Yeah, I don't... I mean, he can't... Oh, you're getting into heavy theological yeah. language there. Like, God's plan, plan to, is to you help know, Satan. Yeah. Can you resist the temptation? Can you call on your faith to resist it? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and they make a deal at the beginning of Job. And I don't know. I'm not sure... Job potentially is one of the most ancient books we have, by the way, uh, of a very ancient book um, already. And it is an interesting thing because if, if you remember that Job 1, uh, Job chapter 1, uh, you know, they're having a heavenly committee meeting, basically, and um, the Lord says to Hasatan, to Satan, he says, oh, have you thought about Job? Have you noticed him? He is great. You know, I love Job. Job's got so much faith and faithfulness and satan says well do you think that he has that because everything is going well do you think he would love you if everything wasn't going well which is actually a pretty good question mm -hmm. i it hesitate is. to say and so they make a deal 
let's just see how he does. Yeah, so they make a deal. Um, and that's really those two cases, the garden and that heavenly committee meeting. Um, that's not what it says, by the nobody way, in the Hebrew, but nobody <laughs> likes meetings, but uh, Job didn't like that meeting either. But yeah. so it's a, that's really kind of the only main places we see a devil figure or a Satan figure mentioned. But maybe that makes a lot of sense because if you're going to go to Sheol and sleep, you know, that you don't need, you're not, you're not going to talk a lot about um, some hellish power. Oh, and that may be a lot of why the shift went to a redemption and a reward. Mm-hmm. You know, just to change things to make it more livable for people. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to put that. Well, and one thing that really shifts for them is um, is this idea of, of what does salvation look like. As you were mm -hmm. kind of mentioning, you know, it, take, it would take such great faith to say, uh, there, there's no heavenly reward here, right? We even use that language. Humans like reward. Yeah, we, we do like reward. And like, where's my carrot? Mm -hmm. um, but to say, this life is it. The salvation I'm going to find is this life, and it may not be anything anyone could see with their eyes. It's going to be an internal changed heart thing, you know? Um, and really what we do see, there's sort of two forms of salvation for this ancient Judaism. And the two forms are, it is absolutely a we. It is the belief and the promise that they will remain God's covenant people, that God will not break that covenant with the people of Israel, with the Hebrew people, with the Jewish people, you know, put, put your word in there. And that the, the nation, quote unquote, or the people will see salvation as a group um, moving forward together. So that's kind of a, a shift in our own minds too not just as Christians, but as Americans, where everything is like, I, me, I alone, I am a rock, I am an island, you know, everything is individual in our culture, a very much individualistic culture, and theirs is not. It's we, you know, we will be saved as a people. So I may never see it, um, but I do believe that God will carry us forward as a people. That's the first sort of salvation. And the other one is, um, the other one is this belief that's really going to come into play next week with what they misunderstood about Jesus is they believed, nope, God's going to send a Messiah to intervene in this world and with these earthly powers. Like, we are under the thumb of oppressors. God's going to, like, literally save us from the thumb of worldly oppressors. And a Messiah is what's going to do gonna that. He's going to ride in on the white horse with the sword. Why? Exactly, which is also a biblical image. Yeah, I mean, we get all that from, you know, not a white knight necessarily, but a white, on this white horse, um, going to come and save us from people I can name and who are mm -hmm. physical. You know, it's not an otherworldly saving. It's right here and now. And it's a lot of this, too, um, with the, the concept of us, Yes. Kind of starts the thought of um, congregation, fellowship, um, church. That's Joining right. Joining together. We're going to do this together. We can't do it on our own. God That's tells right. us we can't. But if we do it together, we can do it. Oh, absolutely. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament are 
strongly communal. There is no sense that anybody can do this on their own. There is no sense of any bootstraps being pulled up, <laughs> like by your fingers alone. Uh, it's all communal, even as we cross into New Testament and church. Um, it's really a fairly modern concept to be so individual, you know, right? Uh, because when people lived in communities where it really was more hand to mouth, more um, we don't make it unless we all make it kind of thing, we've sort of lost a little bit of that, or we think we have. Um, but boy, that's at play in all of this. Um, okay, so next week is New Testament, but, but just to pause before we close today, I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, no. I'm wondering what you think, what, what was new to you about this, and then what kind of, are there parts you really think, that is, I really like that like that's a weird word for hell and for death but are there parts that you're like i really that resonates with me that kind of peace or that really doesn't resonate with me so two-part question I, I what was sort yeah. of new to you and then what resonates or doesn't uh what was really new is um the old judaism view of what happens when you're not on this planet Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. i never realized it was that Strict as a, this is it, rest in peace, bye bye. You know, you're not coming back, and thanks for your service. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah. Um, and then what well, the other part was? Are there parts that of the that belief system that resonate with you, or parts that just really don't resonate with you? Mm. The part where they suddenly decided that we're going to have to band together, we're going to have to make our faith communal. You know, we have to be a group. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm sure that that's what helped people maintain faith. Because doing it on your own just is so, so difficult. Even in modern times, mm -hmm. you need the fellowship and you need the community mm -hmm. um, of church and you know, fellow Christians, no matter what your denomination. But yeah. I think that was interesting that they made the shift from, we've got to do this all together. Yeah, absolutely. The whole, uh, and I know we talked about in class briefly, um, the famous passage of that is this um, Ezekiel, uh, I think it's 37. I'm not sure where he is, but um, the Valley of Dry Bones. And it's like everything mm -hmm. the guys, everything Ezekiel sees in this vision is dead. You know, it's just dry bones. And in the vision, the Lord says to Ezekiel, can these bones live, Ezekiel? And Ezekiel's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, do, do you know? I think only you know. And in the vision, um, the Lord starts to like pull together these bones and bring them back to life. And the whole idea is, and then it says, these bones are the nation of Israel. So it's the people. Mm -hmm. It's not just the people on the planet now. Yeah. It's all the people on the planet plus all those that came before them. Yeah, and it's not one little skeleton mm -mm. being, you know, all by itself on its own little island. It's 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 this community. We are in this together. The Lord raises us together um, in whatever fashion that's going to look like. That's I think you're going to find and that it's surprising. too all the way through the New Testament. Yes, it's it may surprise some of our listeners, and it may surprise the class on Sunday uh, how much Christian thought holds to that as well. Um, if we are saved, we are saved together. It, it, we'll talk about that uh, next week. But well, this is an interesting series. <laughs> well, uh, you know, 
We, I will end with this uh, last fall because that's how quickly I like to respond to people, you know, about nine months later. Mm -hmm. um, some of the Sunday school class at the time said, you need to teach us about hell. You need to teach us about the devil. And I said, well, I don't want to. And, <laughs> I'd rather not. and they said, well, we, we need to know. And it's interesting. One reason we sort of don't um, is actually a little, uh, kind of find some of its roots in the Judaism piece of monotheism, one God. Um, we believe in one God, and then we, as Christians, we add to that that we find that God in three persons, the Father, mm -hmm. Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that within that trinity that there's no other powers and principalities that can compete. This is not a standoff here, as far as we're concerned. Mm -hmm. This is not a standoff. Any powers and principalities that are not gods, as in God possessive S, you know, not plural gods, but any but that are God. not gods... <laughs> Um, have been defeated and have do not get to have any power uh, and so we don't really talk about them very much because we feel like we believe in one God and nobody else should get any airtime you know but as the class pointed out well we still need to have moments like this where we can grow and deepen and maybe have a little better historical view of it yeah and 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 even just to clarify Oh, that's why we don't talk about the devil very much. It's already helping me to know we don't talk about him very much because we don't think he should get any of our attention. You know, even that. That he's not worthy. Yeah, even of, that. Yeah. Helpful. Well, I hope. We're yes. going to hope yes, the entire podcast is helpful, Jan. I so, hope so. So you'll be back with me again next week, I hope. Oh, sure. Oh, good. And I'll be here as well. And next week we're going to do Hell as we find it discussed in the New Testament. Can't wait to join you then. Uh, until then, peace. Thanks, Jan. You're welcome. If you like the One Prez Pod, please like us in your podcast platform or share us with a friend. Until next time, peace.